Well, thank you for welcoming me to your service. Let me just try to... Uh, uh, okay, all right. The last time I spoke at a youth service was years ago. It was like in the days of Pastor... <laughs> Pastor Lim, uh, yeah. yeah. So it was that long ago. I understand you have uh, the choir brothers, uh, siblings... Uh, well, in Lao Jen, I, 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 even though they are not here, um, I wish you can tell them how I enjoyed watching, uh, you know, them swim. They have done so well. All of them got medals, right? Even the youngest one. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Uh, I want to tell you about this message which uh, Joanne gave me. Uh, she actually gave me a choice, three sermons to pick. Uh, I spent about two weeks thinking about which of the three I should pick, and time was running out, so I just uh, you know, told her, why don't you just do me a favor? Just tell me, what do you want me to preach? And she chose Feeding of the 5,000, and I got uh, to work, and I realized that it was tremendously difficult. You know why it's difficult? Because it's so familiar. I know exactly what you are thinking now. You know, and you will just switch now because it's about the kid with five loaves and the two fish and he was so ready to share it with everybody. And we've heard it before. And so I spent the, the last one week just panicking and I took leave. I took leave on... Thursday and Friday, you know that that, how, that was how desperate I was, and and on Thursday I worked at it. I said, "There's no way I can come up with a sermon like this," so I went back to pray and I pleaded with the Lord, "God, there must be a message for this youth. You love them. Have mercy on me." And so uh, the message really came yesterday. And I worked till quite late yesterday. Thank God there was no cell group meeting. And I worked at it uh, the whole of today, skipping this elders' prayer meeting. So this is, okay, this is how much I love you. And Now, um, this is, this message will come in two parts. I thought that I should not just preach on the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, there was another encounter, quite an extraordinary encounter. You're familiar with it? The storm. There was a storm and Jesus walked on water and they, the disciples panicked and then Peter said, that, well, if it is you, Lord, call me out in the water and Peter walked on the water. So these two great miracles uh, appear in the Gospels side by side because it it happened. The second miracle happened after the great encounter with the 5,000. And I want to talk about this too, all right? And uh, if the first part of the sermon doesn't speak to you, I hope the second one will. So let's uh, do it. The feeding of the 5,000 is an extraordinary miracle, so extraordinary that it is the only, the only, only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. No other miracles is repeated four times. And uh, I want to 
show you uh, from the perspective of the disciples, all right, we want to consider these two great encounters from the perspective of the disciples. In the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the crowd, we want to consider the miracles that happened through the disciples and in the coming of the storm, we want to consider this miracle, the miracle that happened, happened for the disciples. So two parts. Let's talk about the first encounter first, the feeding of the crowd. Let's read it, all right? This is from the NIV, and it goes like this. So the, they went, out, went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they say, and it's already late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that will take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 550s, taking the loaves, the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate, were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Let's talk about the first encounter. Um, I am looking at this passage, you see, Mark John, Mark John, because uh, the the account of this, this great miracle is uh, told in a slightly different way, meaning that in one gospel, there's a little bit more detail, and the other gospel, we have a little bit more particulars. So I will be uh, looking at these passages like this. Now, this... Uh, at the time of this incident, a lot of things had already happened, meaning that from chapter 1 until chapter 6, Mark chapter 6. Let me tell you what had happened. Jesus had already preached the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the, the Matthew 5, 6, 7. He had preached that. Jesus had already told them the parables of the kingdom, uh, Matthew 13. The people had already witnessed numerous miracles. 
at least nine recorded miracles. I, I'm not saying that Jesus performed nine miracles. I'm saying that there were already nine recorded miracles up to chapter 6. The people had already listened to his teaching. They loved everything Jesus taught. They loved everything Jesus did. I mean, he was popular. And the magnitude of the miracles attracted the multitudes. That's why they, they pressed in. They wouldn't give him a break. And Jesus, uh, as you can see here, he wanted to go to a solitary place to just take a break and he encouraged his disciples to follow him. But no, it was not going to happen. They saw him, they ran to him and then when Jesus saw the crowd coming, he had compassion on them and said, well, he had them seated and then he taught them again. And by the time he finished the teaching, it was already late. So let's look at the situation. The situation was like this. By this time, after Jesus had finished teaching, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. Now, this is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. So, it was late. It was a remote place. The people had not eaten. This is the situation. And I want you to look at the contrasting attitude of the disciples and Jesus. The disciples saw a crowd, right? The masses. The crowd was a, the crowd's problem, which means that they, 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 they have not eaten. The crowd's problem was a burden to the disciples. So they said their response was, why, why, why don't we just send them away? The Lord's response was different. The Lord saw people, sheep without shepherd. And the Lord saw the people's needs as his personal concern. And so he said, it was recorded that he had compassion on them. Very, very different way of seeing people and therefore a very different way of responding to the situation. So let's look at this. Of course, the way they saw the people being the crowd and their response sent them away. So finally, they had to, they had to come up with some solutions. The Lord asked them right, for a solution. So, because of a lack of time, the disciples said, send them away, Mark 6.35. They can go to the countryside. They can quickly go and get, try to get something to buy. Insufficient funds. Philip came up with uh, a solution. Philip said that, well, we have internal sources of funds. Maybe we can buy something. But he said that, but it would take more than a half a year's wages. And are we going to spend that much on bread? Right, so actually, as you can see, none of the disciples who came up with this suggestion believed that these were real solutions. Then Andrew came, the problem of inadequate supplies. Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? So they went to the John's passage, they went to look for a boy. No, no, they went to look for supplies. How many loaves do we have? And they came back to report to him. Uh, well, actually, uh, we found a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many of us? It's not even in, enough for the, the 12 disciples and, and the Lord. Actually, by the way, I, I, I don't think that the disciples snatched the provision from the boy and just, give it to me, <laughs> because it's an emergency. 
Oh, I, actually, I believe that uh, after they went to the, the, the crowd, the 5,000, 10,000 people, uh, they found the boy, they, they bought the provision from him. I believe, I believe so, right? It's not stated. And with this provision, they said, but, but what is this? It's, it's, only, it's not even enough for ourselves. Well, who came up with the solution? The Lord, of course. The Lord. And uh, this is the part you are familiar with. Jesus took the five loaves, verse 41, and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the, the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And he divided also the two fish. Now, I want you to look at this parable from the perspective of the disciples. Now, if you have been a Christian for some time, you probably would have heard this sermon before. Uh, this, is not, this will not be the first time. And probably it would, the, the preachers would have made a point uh, that if you are only willing to surrender the meager offering and commit to God your small gifts, your small abilities, and the little that you have, which is represented by the you know, five loaves, then the Lord will bless you to the extent that you can feed the multitudes. Probably the sermon will probably make that point. Now, I want to examine the story from the perspective of the 12 disciples. The disciples, I underline the word here, the disciples were actually distributors. And something happened in the hands of the disciples. Do you realize that they were you know, 5,000, you know? This is not a stadium, it's, it's the fields. And with their wives and their kids, some estimate that it could be 20,000. Or if they just brought their wives along and a, a kid, 15,000. Uh, not everybody brought their wives, and, but they brought a few kids and it could be 20,000 in the fields. So they took a long time to go to these groups of 50. Can you imagine just, just 50? Right? And you just, how many times 50s? They took a long time. They were just distributing what happened in their hands. The miracles happened in their hands. It happened with them. Jesus didn't snap the finger and then the power of food. You know, it really happened in their hands. And, uh, and so I, I want you to look at this miracle from the disciples' perspective. Then he gave them and they distributed. The disciples were distributors and God was the manufacturer. Divine resources originated from a reservoir somewhere, some divine reservoir. And the people received the provisions through human channels. And this is a good definition of ministry, Warren Wisby. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through willing channels. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through a willing channel. That was what happened that day. And so, as long as they were dishing out, the food kept on multiplying and they witnessed this, this phenomenon, right? Just mind-blowing. And after they had eat, eaten as much as they wanted, 
Jesus told them, gather the fragments left over so that nothing is lost. Now, this is, this is put here for a reason, okay? It is for a good reason. This detail, and I'll tell you why. So they had all, they had, so they had all enough to eat. And he said to his disciples, gather up the pieces. And they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five loaves left over by those who had eaten. 12 is a symbolic number. There were 12 disciples, there were 12 distributors, and the 12 workers returned with 12 baskets full of fish and bread. Don't miss the point. This is put in the Bible for a reason. I want to suggest to you that while the needs were met, the workers were blessed. That is the point. It is as, as if God is telling them and us that He not only wants to do something through us, He wants to do something in us. And the miracle is just not for them. The miracle is for the workers too. I, I just feel very strongly that it is put there for a reason. And... Uh, you know, and then something else caught my attention. After all these things happened, we have this question from the crowd. Well, some people who, who were near him. John 6, 28. What must we do to do the work God requires? This is strange. And Jesus had to reply them, and this was how he replied their question. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. What must we do? Jesus said, you want to do something? You just have to believe. Don't miss this point again. None of us can do the, to do the work of God because apart from him, we cannot do anything. So then uh, came the first of the seven I am's. I am the bread of life. Uh, the, the seven I am's are all in, in the uh, Gospel of John. So Jesus, the reason why Jesus performed the miracle was to follow up later with to make a point that he is the bread of life. The first I am. I am the bread of life. And um, You know, I want to make another point here that it is, it is a human tendency, all of us have this tendency, to measure ourselves by what we can do. And so when we have a challenge, we, we string from the challenge. First, we look at our resources and our, and our experience. And uh, am I competent? Do I have sufficient? And then we look at the challenge and then we make a decision. Because we have... a uh, manufacturers uh, uh, mentality. And I want to tell you, you know, that God wants us to move away from that. We are not manufacturers. Don't have the manufacturers mentality. We are really distributors. And if you're willing, then God will work. I'll, I'll give you an example. This is a story taken from 
uh, one of John Ockberg's books. You know, John Ockberg uh, said that one day he was walking with a few friends in California, this place called Newport Beach in uh, California. Uh, they passed by uh, a bar, uh, no bar, a drinking bar, and there was a fight inside the bar, and later on, it quickly spilled over to the streets. And then he saw three men beating up one man, and this man who was on the floor was bleeding. His immediate reaction, I've got to do something. I've got to break the fight. But he said that seminary school didn't train him for a situation like this. He doesn't know how to break up a fight. And he said that because of his years in uh, spending time in church, uh, his speech is too polished. You know, he, said that he was thinking, that, I'm going to go over there and say, come on guys, you break it up. I'm warning you, you better break it up now. I'm serious. <laughs> he said, no, it wouldn't work. You work with my three-year-old kids. These are gladiators. They won't listen to these words. So what am I going to do? God, what am I going to do? I've got to do something. So he just went forward to this three guys, and he said that, I just spoke prophetically. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't mention what prophetically was, but I, maybe he was like this. In the name of Jesus, you break it up, you stop now, or something bad will happen to you. I mean, he just, he just said that, I spoke prophetically to them, and John Ockwood said that, then the thugs suddenly looked up at him with fears in their eyes, and they just walked away. And he said that one of those guys, one of the three guys was at least six foot seven. I mean, Americans, they fit in six foot seven. I'm five foot four, six foot seven. And he weighed at least 250 pounds. He said that, no kidding you, he looked like he had 2% body fat. <laughs> he was really muscular. And he just walked away. And at the moment, he said that, I had a God encounter. And Jesus was there. It was as if Jesus said to him, do not fear, I'm here. And John Ockbert said that, after that encounter, I have come to believe in the sufficiency of Christ for all my life. And how can I live in a way that reflects the fact that I follow a God who is so big? You know, so... You see, when, when we have a manufacturer's mentality, we will assess our resources and our capabilities and whether we have sufficient and whether we are competent and then we walk away from challenge. But at the moment, John Albert just said, I've got to do it. I've got to do something about it. And then God came through. And, you know, so this was, Jesus said that this, the work of God is this, John 6, 29, to believe in the one he has sent. You know, we, uh, we are beggars. We are not buyers. Beggars don't come to you. What can I do for you? Beggars beg. Beggars plead. Beggars ask. We are beggars and not buyers. And we plead with God. Our response is, Lord, not what do you want me to do, 
I cannot do I cannot do anything. We plead with God and I just give you some suggestion here. God, I plead with you. I plead with you, God, for more power, for better spiritual gifts, for fresh faith, for deeper insights. I plead with you for larger capacity. I plead with you for increasing passion. I plead for you with you for added strength, for extra wisdom, for better discernment. I plead with you for greater clarity so that what you can do through me can reach further and achieve more. I plead with you. Beggars plead. Beggars don't buy. And uh, I want to give you another example, a great example. This is uh, a story told by my sister. My sister Jean used to live in Jurong West, as, as I was. I, did, I, I lived in Jurong West for many, many years. And uh, my, my sister said that every time she walked home, uh, at that time she was a teacher, she saw a lot of kids, unsupervised kids, you know, I mean, they were playing all the time. You see the kids playing all day, playing. And so one day, uh, she was in church and she heard uh, something uh, from the leaders about starting a children's club. She was from SCBC, yeah? uh, Faith Community Baptist Church. Children's club, children's club. Sounds like a good idea. And so, of course, you know what went through her mind, right? God, do I really have the time and the energies? I'm a mother of three kids. I have a full-time job as a teacher. Can I come up with interesting programs every week? Do I have people to help me? Can I sustain this work? This is really the right time. But children's club, children's club, I have a burden for these kids. God, I'm going to say yes. So he told the, the leaders that, I think I like the idea of the children's club. So, all right, let's start a children's club. They started the children's club in her home. And they said, that, well, uh, well let, let's see whether there are church members in the area who might be prepared to help you. So two, he found, she found two volunteers in the neighborhood. They said, oh, we are prepared to help you in the children's club. And so, uh, as it turned out, one of them was really, really good. So they started and they gathered the kids from the neighborhood. And, hey, are you prepared to come to the children's club? And so they started, and before long, the parents of these kids got interested. He said that she got a few parents who joined her in the children's club, and these parents were a great help. How a great help? They prepared food. <laughs> and so they had food, and they had help. And after that, uh, some of these parents, uh, together with my brother-in-law, volunteered to ferry these kids to church. And he asked, hey kids, are you interested to go to Sunday school on Sunday? And some did. Some were interested. And so they had a few drivers to ferry them all the way to church. And what do you know? They had converts. And, and after that, uh, my sister's friends, who uh, some of them were principals, said, well, we want to use my facilities. I, I can offer them to you. And so the school's facilities were available for them to hold camps. And then they were so excited. These kids were so excited about the camps because the, the programs were so interesting that they were looking forward to the next year's camp and the next year's camp. And so my sister said, you know, she totally did not expect this result. 
And so this is it, you see. God wants to bless the people. And God wants to bless the worker. And she got away with the basket full of friends, you know, she, because she, she made friends with, with the parents and some of them were just wonderful people. And he, she made friends with, out of these three workers, uh, one of them was a fantastic worker, a woman of faith. And she kept on telling them that, hey, Jean, do you know that up to now, and so many years later, this, this, these kids were now grown up. So they, I'm in touch with these kids. This is what is happening to this kid. This is what happening to this kid and this teenager. And I'm still in touch with them. And they are doing well in the Lord. Wow. You know, a basket full for herself of miracle, of leftover bread and fish. So this is a story for my sister. And so this is the verse I thought might be uh, appropriate. Luke 6.38, look at this. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Actually, not in full. It will be pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your laps. The, more, the moment you give will... Sorry, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So, you see, that, uh, because Jean gave the way she did, she got back a basket full, which was more than what she gave. And I want to tell you, this is, I'm going to end this first part soon. This is a principle of the kingdom. This is the principle that applies to distributors. The servant who knows how poor they become, the servants who know how poor they are, become the richest. Those who give the most, receive the most. Therefore, they have the most to give. So you should stay on the job you should trust God to work and you are going to experience grace. Grace like never before. So this ends the first part of my sermon. And if you gain nothing from the first part, I pray, oh God, that you will learn something from the second now. Again, from the perspective of the disciples. Okay, after this thing happened, Jesus wanted a break, right? So he went up to the mountain and he sent the disciples away. So they, they went on their boats and uh, to the Sea of Galilee to, uh, well, to, to Capernaum. So there they went. And then, I really believe that God set this up, but anyway, there they went. John 16 said, a strong wind was blowing and the waves grew, grew rough and the mud passage say this, Mark 6, 48 say, he saw the disciples straining at all because the wind was against them. And in another passage of scriptures, it said that it was the fourth watch. The fourth watch is between 3 to 6 a.m., which means that they were struggling for at least nine hours, at least. Uh, the situation was very grave. And Jesus walked on water, and they saw Jesus, and he immediately spoke to them and said, take courage, because they thought he was a ghost. Take courage, do not be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat, and the wind suddenly died down, and they were safe. And then look at the part in yellow. The part in yellow is verse 52. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. I, I don't understand this. 
I don't know what is what do you mean? They had not understood about the laws. What did they not understand about the miracles of multiplying bread enough for the 15, 20,000? What lesson had they not learned? Well, look at this. They, sorry, this is the same. What, uh, what did they not understand? Well, I want to tell you this, okay? That up to this time, I told you right, that there were at least nine records of, of miracles. And, and this, this were not, this were quite, quite remarkable. Man with an unclean spirit was delivered. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Uh, a leper was cleansed. A paralyzed man was made whole. A withered man with a withered hand uh, was strengthened. A storm was stilled. This is the one, this, this storm, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. There was a deliverance of a man in a place called uh, Gadarin, where legions of, of uh, demons would uh, left him. A, a woman with the issue of blood was afflicted, but she was free. Jairus' daughter was raised, and then the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus said that they had not understood the miracles on the loaves. What is this about? Well, you see, I, I told you earlier, right, that the magnitude of the the miracles attracted the multitudes. The multitudes saw the miracles also. Look at, look at the reactions of the multitude. Okay, it's, it's very, very similar to the disciples. They are no different. This is what the multitude asked Jesus. After seeing all the miracles, hearing all the, the teachings, they said, after the, this, the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely, this is the prophet who is to come to the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountains. Uh, I, I put this verse here because I want to make a point that Jesus was at the peak of his popularity. Uh, he was, yeah. He was at the peak of his popularity. And then this verse popped up. What signs then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? The disciples asked Jesus, what signs will you give us so that we will believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Very strange, right? What were they thinking? What were the disciples thinking? What were the, what were the multitudes thinking? Is everything that Jesus did from chapter 1 to 6 not enough? What are you thinking about? Well, Jesus, Jesus understood. Jesus said that, well, John 6, 26, very truly I tell you, this applies to the disciples and the multitudes. Truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves 
and had your fill. Miracles, uh, brothers and sisters, miracles have very little effect on people. Very often, miracles don't shape our understanding. Sorry, big G, please. Miracles don't shape our understanding of God. We come to God to meet our needs. And we always pray to God to meet our needs. And we get very disappointed from God, uh, with God when God stopped answering our prayers. This was the case with the multitudes. And the disciples also saw the miracles as God's provision, God's goodness. God is cool. Jesus is cool. And we experience miracles daily too. You know what, I, what happened this week, right? You know, for, for two weeks, I had nothing. On Friday, I said, God, I plead with you. God, please. And it came. That was, that was a miracle, I'll tell you. Just now, I was preparing my PowerPoint until 4.15. I said, there's somebody who's going to panic. And so, I, so my, my colleague was working with me and said, I got to go. And my police said, it's four plus, Edwin. You're not going to get a cat. I'm going to pray. And so, I, I was at the crater I wrote and then chain shift. Tempanis. <laughs> the sidebar. Tempanis. Chain shift. On call. I'm going to pray, God, please. So I walked to another part of the road. God, please. Oh, then, zoom. miracle. No, we, miracles happen all the time. It happens to you. God is constantly making bread before our eyes. Examples, He stops the rain. You know, last week I was told by Linda, uh, there was a rain and uh, they were going out to some West Coast Park, right? And then, I, I, I saw the rain. and said, are you going now? With umbrellas? And we're going to pray for the rain to stop. And so after that, at 12 plus, it came back. It was raining. I said, so what happened today? Well, the rain stopped for two hours as we prayed. And immediately after the clothes and prayer, the rain stopped again, started again. Miracle. And, and there was once when I was, uh, I, I go to the gym in Singapore Recreation Club. So I take the train to City Hall and then I will cross the road, uh, Stanford Road, and, and all that. And, and I, I, I reached the gym, and I took out, I, I'll take out my wallet to show my pass. My, my wallet! And the last time I used a wallet was at the, the train. Well, I, I exited the station, right? I had the tap. I'm going back, and I just, God, please, God, please, just pray that someone will pick up. No one will pick up the wallet. Please, God, please. And I just went, went up, and I was just walking, tracing the step. And there was a foreign worker, an Indian man, just walking towards me. And she's, he just gave it to me. Unbelievable. Totally. You know how busy that road is? You know how busy that station is? And I had not yet crossed Stanford Road. I would have to cross Stanford Road. I, would, I just exited SRC, just exited 20 meters. And this man walked towards me, and he knew. This is your wallet? I said, yes, thank you. Miracles. Jesus is making bread every day, multiplying bread. You know why we don't notice this bread? Because it's so common. This is bread. And moreover, the bread was for, you know, the, in this case, uh, uh, a lot of the miracles 
we hear about them secondhand. Oh no, in Nigeria, somebody, have you heard of this? Somebody was raised from the dead. Have you read this book yet? You see, we read from books, we hear from sermons. Do you know that why when, when they prayed about it, God gave them a vision to give them this ship? And they got the ship, and now they have how many hotels and the training, the schools of the university of the nations? You know how they got it? Secondhand. You know, we, we say, well, God is cool. And miracles, flagging taxis, they are so common, you know. And so, many times, miracles like that don't affect us. And so, when, when the real test comes, we are amazed. Uh, we, we understand nothing about the multiplication of the bread. We understand nothing about the miracles that happen to us on a daily basis. You know why? We don't make the connection between the miracles and God. We don't make the connections. God is just a supplier of bread and we need bread. So, what will you do? You know, the crowd say, what will you do? What sign will you show us? I mean, not, not this sign, but the sign. What, what sign will you show us? I mean, the, the Moses kind of sign, you know, the, the sign that the, when Moses made bread. What, what sign will you show us? Jesus said, believe in me. I am. You, you, you missed the point. I am the bread of life. If you don't have me, you will always be looking for signs. It will never be enough. And so, many times, I, I, want, I want to tell you, miracles, signs, and everything marvelous are God encounters. This is the purpose of God encounters. I've summarized for you this way. God gives us miracles to train us to see things differently. Miracles, through the miracles recorded in the gospel, the writers want to demonstrate something. It is to demonstrate that Jesus has the power over all areas of life, whether it is over the physical or the spiritual, whether it is over the visible or the invisible, whether it is over the natural or the supernatural, it is recorded to show us something about God. And I want to show you this. This is pretty, uh, no, I put it here, I, I know it's, uh, but never mind, you, you go to the website, you look through the list. These are the these are the nine miracles before the feeding of the, of the 5,000. If, if the disciples and the multitude had seen the miracles as God encounters, they would come to the conclusion on the extreme right-hand column. The first miracle shows God's supremacy in the spiritual world. The second miracle shows God's power over common sickness. The third miracle shows God's control over incurable disease. The fourth miracle shows Jesus' authority for, to forgive sins. The fifth miracle shows God's ability to make whole. The sixth miracle shows Jesus' sovereignty over the elements. The seventh miracle shows Jesus' jurisdiction over the demons. The eighth miracle shows Jesus' command over the body. The ninth miracle... Uh, shows Jesus' victory over death. And of course, the feeding of the 5,000 shows Jesus' dominion over nature, over the natural. 
hey, you see, when you see things differently, when every God encounters shows something about God, and you move towards God, they won't be, they were astonished, and they missed it. (laughs) The disciples missed all this. The crowd missed all this. That's why I say miracles have little effect on us. Normally, they have very little effect on us. We will always be asking for more bread. And, you know, I want to make this point very clearly, brothers and sisters. Miracles are not given to dazzle us or to indulge us. Miracles are given to reveal Himself to us. God will reveal Himself to us in every encounter. And that must be the way we see miracles. So I want you to look at uh, yourself. Next time, when you pray about something and something happens and you are, oh God, thank you. I want you to make the connection between the power of the sign and the authority of God. And say, God, you really are over this. You really have control. This is really your dominion. You have power over this and that. You just speak it back to God. This is what, this is what it reveals about you, God. Thank you. Make the connection straight away. Now, something happened in the storm, all right? I'm going to end very soon. The second encounter, well, I will say that the tenth encounter was what sealed the deal. Something happened in the storm because up to that point, up to the ninth miracle, uh, everything or almost everything was done for people in distress. I mean, they were witnesses. They was ooh, wow, you know. And it was something done for others in distress. The, the lepers, uh, uh, the Jairus' daughter, the man with the shivered hand, the one who, is, who paralyzed four people in distress. The disciples were observers. This time, in the 10th miracle, they were caught in a jam. This was the first time they themselves were in the storm. This was the time when they needed Jesus' power and intervention to extricate them from a real crisis. This was the time when they were not onlookers. They, they were not just onlookers. They were not just helpers. They needed deliverance. How do I know they needed deliverance? Because it was already the fourth watch and the wind was coming against them. And I mean, as fishermen, they, they, they know they were, they're in a difficult situation when, when they are in a difficult situation. That was the time. It was a real crisis. And then when Jesus got on the boat, it was immediately still. And then, you know what the Bible says? Oh, no. The Bible said, okay, I'll show you something else afterwards. A last story. The Bible said that the disciples worshipped him. Suddenly, they made a connection. Encounter God. This is real. And they worship Him as God.
you know, I, I believe that God will give you very special encounters. I, I'm not saying that encounters can only happen in a storm, but sometimes storms are very necessary. And sometimes storms are very good. And um, when the storms come to us, we will be able to see Him for who He really is. And then we will hear Him and then we will recognize Him as God. I want to tell you about a storm which I had encountered just this year on the 23rd of January. Okay, you, if, if you attend the first or second service, I think, yeah, you may have heard this before, but for the youth who uh, don't attend these services, uh, I told this in January. Now, this, this is uh, my colleague, but my room looks exactly like this room. It's, it's like a mirror because we, you know, uh, my, my, the, the top hung cupboard is on this side because I, my room is next door. His is on this side. Now, it is a four-door uh, uh, cabinet. It is quite deep. It's quite deep like this, which means that I can put a book inside and I can put the book here. So two rows. And of course, because the cupboard is like that, I can stack books like that too. You know, because uh, I work in an office and over the years, there was just more and more and more books and commentaries. And they were stacked with books. And after more than 10 years... It could, it, but just can't take it anymore. So, but this is the wonderful. But you know the, the thing is that I, I didn't sense there was anything wrong. Okay, I was working on my sermon. Uh, I had to preach in January, and you know, I was struggling like 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 the last few days You know, just late in the night. I was just working. I always up to about ten thirty or eleven. Just then, that particular night, I had this uneasy feeling, very eerie feeling. It was a Tuesday. So I changed position from there to sit on this other side of the table, you know, like when, when, you, when you interview clients on the other side. And I just started preparing and I had a very uneasy feeling. So I look at the clock. It's 10 o'clock. All right, I just forget it. I just go back. I just locked out you know, uh, lock up my computer, uh, pack my, put my things in the bag, and I just walked out. The door is about uh, three or four meters. The, I'm talking about the main door. I exited the office. It is about three to four meters away from the room. And I opened the door, and I closed to lock. So it's, it's how many minutes it will take? Not one minute, okay? We're talking about seconds. Because you don't take a minute to walk three or four meters. Then, boom! Then, I opened the door again, switched on the lights, and I walked back to my room, and this is what I saw. I just, I really went soft, you know. My legs went soft. I walked out to the stairs. I sat down for a moment, and I prayed, God, you just saved my life. And I stood there. I couldn't move. And then after that, I composed myself. I said, God, I want to take a picture of this. And then I went back and I took this picture. Then I went home and I just worshipped God. 
And the next day, my friends came and they helped me or they helped me to take the contents out of the cupboard. There were five or six big boxes of books. And then I knew. I picked up the things on the table. Metal pieces were mangled. The glass was shattered, of course. There were many hard objects that were crushed and mangled. You know, I lifted the boxes out because we had to clear the place. So heavy. It is the weight of several men. Just think about it, okay? Let's say that you just sit below that TV there. Or maybe you sit, sit behind one of these speakers there. Okay, just sit like that. And you just wait for this to just, anytime now, anytime now, now. <laughs> you just think about it, okay? How heavy is that, those things? You think about it. It is the weight of several men. I, I'm very sure, I'm very certain, my skull would have, would have cracked. I would have a hemorrhage. My neck would have cracked because it is the weight, right? I would have broken my neck. Actually, I would have died. Basically, I would have died. And it was 10 o'clock. The cleaner comes to the office at 7. So I would have been lying there for uh, 8 hours before they discover my body. You know, that kind of encounter, I immediately make the connection. That was a God encounter, you know, you know because I believe uh, that the angels were just holding that and the uneasy feeling, just made, which is very un- unexplainable. Edwin, go back. Edwin, get out of this place. Moved away. Moved away, stupid. Move away. Go home. So finally at 10 o'clock, I said, all right, I'm going back. That was what happened. That was a God encounter. And we need storms in life like this. You know, not, not doing ministry. Oh God, you know, wow, look, the rain stopped for us. You see, we, we don't usually make that kind of connection. But when you have a God encounter, God reveals something about himself that will cause you to bow down and worship and you will never be the same again. And I want you to have that kind of, God, that kind of encounter. I'm not saying there has to be a storm, but storms are quite good. But next time, when you ask for something from God and God answers you, say, God, now that is the way I understand about you. You control nature. That is the way, God. I always believe that about you, God. You are sovereign. You make that kind of counter. Can we do that? Well, see, so if you, I don't know whether you benefited more from the first part or the second part, but I want to pray with you. I'm very bad with altar calls, all right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask uh, Joanne and the team to help me with some altar calls, but I'm going to pray with you first. Let's just bow down. And the, of course, the musicians can come forward and prepare the place, and they're going to come before God. And tell him how awesome he is. Yeah? Come, let's bow down in prayer. Let's be quiet for a while.
Oh, Father God, we, there is no wisdom enough for every problem in life. There are no resources that will build us out of every situation. Really, in so many things in life, we only have one option. And we want to learn this fast and soon. We need you, the bread of life. The one option is really God. And God, we, we don't know whether we are ready to walk, uh, walk on water and to meet you in the storm, but if, if that is necessary for us to see you as you really are, I pray that we will be ready. I pray that we will hear you. We will not be so preoccupied with our, with our competency, our assessment of our abilities. We want to encounter you in the best way possible. And help us to make the connection, God. To recognize your sovereignty and then to trust you. To recognize your wisdom and then to rest in you. To recognize your strength and then to rely on you. To recognize that you are the one who deliver us and then to worship you. And that was what the disciples did, wasn't it? When you came on board the boat, the winds died down and you and those who were on the boat worshipped you and said that truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the bread of life. Thank you God for giving us our daily bread. But God, more than the bread that is dished out to us every day and we are thankful for those, God, we want true encounters with God. So help us, God. Bless us. Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rise. Uh, let's just stay in, in connection with God and, and let's just have a spirit of worship and, and you know I, I really believe that when we hear God's word it, it must change us and it, we must hear and then do not just like hear and then okay hear and, and, and so, so let's, let's just think about our own lives and I don't know if you're going through a storm right now Maybe you feel like you need some kind of miracle in your life, like a multiplication of the bread. You just need some bread. Or maybe you feel like, yeah, I want to have that kind of encounter. I, I want to have that kind of deep encounter and, and, and I, I want to be able to see. And, and I really believe that if we look at our lives, we, we will be able to see the miracles that God has done. If you just like look back, I know some of you are very young, right? So it's less to look back on. But but if you just look back at your life, I think you will be able to see just situations where God has come through for you. And when you realize that, well, that really wasn't me, that was just God. And let's just let's today just worship and acknowledge Him in every situation in, in, in our individual lives. And if you if you would like prayer for any reason, I want to invite you to come out. But let's really have a heart that, that says, God, give me eyes to see 
more of who you are in every situation that I will not just like think meh about everything you know that, I, that, that you give me eyes to see more of who you are you increase my awareness of you in every moment and in every situation and so let's just worship if you like prayer you can come up let's just worship and acknowledge him today
What I have known and break it all apart. Do what I have known and break it all apart. For you, my God, are greater still. Give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see more of who you are. May what I behold still my anxious heart.
an encounter with Jesus? Because I believe that when we really encounter Him, our life changes. Like, it completely changes. It's completely transformed. There's it's no like, yeah, I met Jesus. You know, it, like when you encounter Him, your life changes completely. And so I want to encourage you guys to, that if you've never had that deep encounter, that you keep seeking. You know, we've, we've talked about this verse so many times. And, and, and let's cling on to that, that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if I can invite all of you to rise, and let's just let's end with a song. And, and let's just make, make this our prayer. You know, let's not be satisfied with just coming, we hear a sermon, and then, like, oh, that was great, and then, and then and like, and nothing, right? Let's, let's, let's really come and, and seek Him and ask for an encounter. And I think we need to ask for a daily encounter because we, we need to be reminded. Like, you know, we always forget, right? Like the disciples, right? There's so many miracles. We're like, oh, where's the sign? It's like, what? Have you forgotten everything? But the point is, yeah, we, we forget. And so daily, we need that encounter with, with Jesus. Daily, we need that encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so as we, as we close with this song, let's just make this our prayer. That God, I want to seek you. I want to encounter you. I, I, want to, I want to see you. I want to know you more. I want to experience you and encounter you. And, and just walk in all that is good that you have in store for us.
towards you, as you incline our hearts towards you, God, would you come and give us a fresh encounter, just a fresh revelation of who you are, and your love, and your goodness in our lives. So Father, we praise you, and we acknowledge you as our Savior and our Lord, and we say we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Alright, see you guys next week.